today is Daniel Haswell from South Africa. Good morning, Daniel, or evening. Yeah, good evening, Pat. How are you? Good, mate. I'm good. It's just you and I today, so we're going to have some real quality podcasting. <laughs> you ready for it? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think our Liverpool mates are still celebrating being in the Champions League final, so that they're not here today. Um, but we will touch upon that briefly. I also yeah. want to touch upon the relegation battle and see how it's going. I want to talk in a bit more detail to you, Dan, about Jose's dressing room mind games. And if you want, Dan, you can ask me a little bit about Arsenal's Europa exit. <laughs> but before we get to all that, let's start off with, with your favourite segment, <laughs> What the Football Trivia. <laughs> Right, so definitely with it uh, being Wenger's final home game, we've got to have a, a Wenger-themed question, I felt. And I saw a very interesting statistic uh, that's going to do that's going to set us up for the trivia today. And my question is: In the history of Arsenal Football Club, what percentage of players to play for Arsenal? Has Arsene Wenger coached? Wow, that that's a tough one. Yeah. In the history of Arsenal in the Premier League or in the since its since inception? Yeah, in the history of the club. What percentage of players have played for Arsene Wenger as manager? In other words. Whew, I don't even know where to go with that one, how to start. <laughs> and the pressure's on me, seeing I'm the only one here. So I better have a bit of a think about it. We'll get to the answer later on in the show. Okay, Laka. Okay, Dan. So, Liverpool in the Champions League final. Yep. Did, did you see it coming? No, I don't think uh, too many people did, including our, our, our Liverpool friends. And one thing that they they don't like is, and that I pointed out to them was they actually haven't faced against top opposition up, up until now in the final. When you look at the likes of Sevilla and Porto, you know, okay, they had, they had Man City, but in terms of the opposition they felt, and that's and that's how it sometimes works in the cup competition. So fair play to them. Um, they've got themselves into the final now. They have to go on and win it. It's been a pretty big turnaround by Liverpool really since about middle of the year from, from my perspective yeah about the middle of the year I think there was there was a lot of uh, stats still circulating that 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 Jurgen Klopp's first what 60 games in charge or first 100 games in charge was no more successful than Brendan Rodgers and yet Brendan Rodgers got the sack <clears throat> and so there, there, there was a lot of anti-Klopp type uh, statements and, and, and thoughts sure uh, but he certainly seems he certainly made a success with the second half of the year. Do, do you see any big reason for that, Dan? One thing it, it must be said, and what the Liverpool management has done well, is that they've picked managers with similar outlook in terms of Rodgers and Klopp. You know, Rodgers had a, had a high-pressing uh, style that, that was very similar to what uh, Klopp wanted to implement. So in that way, there wasn't much of a tactical departure from the two different managers. Um, whether that was by design or by chance, I don't know. 
but there definitely was conti continuity in that way in terms of the managers that they they did pick um, and which is which is interesting now when you look at Arsenal and their uh, new manager it's going to be very very interesting as to who who they go for as we know you know these these can be very difficult to get right we've only got to look at united as a as a case in point yeah, it's a good point with the managers and i think i think what that all lead us on to our next segment which is wanker of the week <laughs> Now, Dan, you didn't know you were giving me a perfect segue because my wanker of the week is all to do with the next Arsenal manager at the moment. This guy is going to be clubhouse leader now for wanker of the week. He's, he's been nominated twice before. This is his third nomination, which puts him ahead of people like the Robert Wolves Robert, Robert commentator. <laughs> And <laughs> another such luminaries of the game. Um, okay, he is none other than our Sol Campbell. <laughs> last last episode, we were talking about the dangers of of the of moving away from the stability of the Arsene Wenger, uh, the, the legacy, and and there's there's obviously positives and and reasons why we probably have to do it and it's probably his right it's probably should have probably a couple of years old but there's there's lots of dangers and the dangers are you pick people who aren't ready to manage or as you mentioned earlier Dan have completely different philosophy so the club just cannot adapt and it goes through some dark very dark periods and but Sol the greatest mind in football apparently has said has said he will back Patrick Vieira and Dennis Bergkamp to replace Arsene Wenger at Arsenal. And, okay, so, so Vieira is coaching over in the US with limited limited success at the moment. I take it you don't like that I'd, suggestion, Pat? Well, I think it... <laughs> I mean, you... you <laughs> I think it goes, flies in the face of everything you'd probably want to do at this stage. I don't think you appoint basically two rookie coaches to a task to the job at Arsenal I mean there's a reason why we're not employing Steven Gerrard or someone like that I mean he's gone to Rangers I think I think they're in a bit of a different situation to Arsenal I mean if we, if we employ guys who have no experience or very little experience it just could be we could just be plummeting and and I thought I'd said okay well let me check what Dennis Bergkamp's doing these days because he's obviously coaching a big club but no, he's an assistant coach at uh, at Ajax, at, and until December of last year, so he, he hasn't done much since then. So <clears throat> this would be just—it's a classic case of someone going, "Oh, you know what? I used to play with this guy. They seem pretty smart. They seem seem like a a good head on their shoulders, and they were successful. Let me pull in this player and have them coach." And it's just completely—it's it, completely unintelligent. Uh, speculation, but but by, by Sol Campbell, and and it doesn't surprise me given his 
two last nominations. One was when he proclaimed himself the greatest mind in football and was wondering why he couldn't get a job at a manager anywhere. And the other one was when he was applying for a managerial gig somewhere and his, his comment was, if I get it, I'll be really happy, but if someone else gets it, I'll be ecstatic and effectively ruling himself out of that race. So when he, when he, when he announced that he'd be more happy if someone else got the job than himself. So he's really not on. He's really on a dad Donald spiral, and, and I'm afraid he's he could end the season. He's favourite now to end the season as wanker of the year, <laughs> unless you've got someone that's going to step it up. Then could it be could it be the FA? <laughs> FA? What what have the the FA been doing? Is that a rhetorical question? No, <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> no, well. For my wanker of the week is, and I want to put a man who should have absolutely zero to do with football, and that is President of the United States, Donald Trump, who actually took to threatening countries that don't vote for the USA as the World Cup host for 2026. He's threatening with all kinds of, I don't know, maybe he'll start a nuclear war or something like that. But this man just should really... (laughs) He doesn't seem to to worry too much about where he shouldn't put his his finger in anyway, but he really should be told to stay very far away from football. Thank you very much, Donald Trump. Oh, my goodness. We've got enough trouble in football as it is without Donald Trump. (laughs) Don't don't we? He's coming to help. (laughs) He's literally threatening Uh, countries who won't won't vote for the USA's bid. You know. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Yeah, Dad, I think you have... You have trumped me <laughs> on Wanker of the Week this week. It's, it's taken all year, but you've done it. Well done. Very good call. Okay. Let, let's let's move on to the next topic then. We've we've got the relegation battle, which is a game and a half from being decided. And wow, there was there were some pretty strong results over the last week. Um, I, I was. Devastated for Southampton, Dan, as you might must have been, because they're your, your, they're your possibly your second or third favourite team in yeah. the league. Yeah, from maybe. what you keep saying, and and they held on for eighty minutes and got to the ninety-first minute. Oh yeah, conceded, Ryan, Ryan Bertrand, deflected goal. Yeah, Ryan Bertrand. I mean, <laughs> first minute of injury time, he chases down a cross that's going out for a throw-in for some reason, kicks it upfield instead of smashing it into touch and Everton get a counter-attack and, and equalise. Yeah, that's a killer. That was a killer. And from an experienced player like Bertrand, wow, you don't expect that. That was disappointing. Yeah. And so, But that point have lifted them out of the relegation zone for the moment. Yeah. They're, they want, they're on goal difference ahead of Swansea. And we touched upon goal difference when we did our big relegation special of a few episodes of goal go, and we looked at the teams that had poor goal difference, which yeah. could hurt them in the end. And, and one of them was Huddersfield, who were they, were... they were game clear of Swansea and Southampton, but their goal difference is, is significantly worse than Southampton's and a few worse than Swansea. So they, they're still in danger at the moment. But... Their form has picked up a little bit, I've noticed, the last few weeks. Um, but it's it's really it's really getting tight down there. When, and the big 
the big results have been West Brom, that, that they've come from being relegated to winning <laughs> 10 out of the last 12 points, is it? Yeah, and, they've given themselves an outside they, chance, yeah. Wow, and now a win in their last game. And if Swan, and if there's a draw between Swansea and Southampton who play against each other and Swansea lose the other one, uh, it, 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 yeah, they, they need to win by they need to win by about four goals or something. Yeah, in their last game. Well, this is what we're saying. A, a couple of weeks ago, we said in the absence of a of an effective title race with Man City having walked that, we said, can we at least have a a top four race and a and a relegation fight? And we've definitely got those. We've definitely got those that have come out of nowhere. Um, as you said, it looked like West Brom were dead and buried. They've given them an outside chance. Uh, the top four teams this weekend, not only did they not win a game, none of them even scored a goal. So you could have you could have got you could have got a great uh, bet this weekend had you bet that none of the top four would even score. Wow, you would have won a lot of money. And so Stoke City are effectively relegated. They cannot be safe anymore because, as I said, Southampton, Swansea. Yeah. play each other yeah. so one of them's got to get points um, so good, goodbye Stoke they, they were unlucky as well <laughs> all the relegation all the bottom four almost should have won during, during so it was a crazy crazy round um, West Brom we, we went from not even to, we stopped talking about them so fair play to Darren Moore he's done fantastically since he's come in yeah the more the merrier uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he said, so what's what's your tip now? So okay, it's West Ham had a had a win on the weekend, which I tip, so they're they're safe now. And I mean, Huddersfield got two games, Southampton yeah. got two games, Swansea got two games. Well, Connell must be must be ecstatic that his favourite manager pulled it out for West Ham. He must be ecstatic. <laughs> oh, he's maybe he's putting that in his resume to apply for the Arsenal job. Never know. <laughs> okay, so who, who's your tips now, Dan? Oh, mate, we've, we've, been, we've just been saying all bets are off. Um, yeah, <laughs> how, do, how, do you, how do you call this? I don't know. Uh, Swansea Southampton is on Tuesday, and that's an absolute cracker of a relegation game. And how, how do you call that, that game? It's basically a cup final between... Two teams who've been so terrible when they want when they've wanted to be, um, but they've also been able to to pull out results when they've had to. So, yeah, it's that's that literally is what it is. It's a, a game for each of them to to stay up in the Premier League, um, and I'm inclined to to give Southampton the nod there. Uh, well, they they have to win. They have to win against Swansea because you know how they play the following week. Yeah. Man City. Yeah. And Swansea are home to Stoke. Yeah. So if Southampton can win that one, they they they'd be virtually safe. They'd be on they'd be on 36 with a much better goal difference than than Swansea. So, yeah, as I say, they would they would almost guarantee themselves safety. Uh, and, yep. a, and a similar position for, for Swansea as well. Okay, so let's lay through this. Swansea 
Southampton beat Swansea, which which I, I agree with. Yeah. Then Swansea beat Stoke in the final round. So they're both on 36 points, but Southampton are hit on goal difference. Now the question then is comes down to Huddersfield. Yeah. Now Huddersfield then those results those was, yeah those results would also put down West Brom. Put down West Brom and also yep and yep. Huddersfield would be 18th unless they can get at least a point from their last two games. And their last two games and the final game of the season they play Arsenal. They got Chelsea away on Wednesday and then yeah they got yeah they got Chelsea and Arsenal. So. So, Dan, as, as, as much as I don't like it because uh, we've got an Aussie in the Huddersfield team, my <laughs> prediction my prediction about six weeks ago where I said I think I'm tipping Huddersfield, West Brom and Stoke to go down, that's still really on the cards. And I will celebrate and tell you all about <laughs> it if, if, if that happens. So I like being right, but... Uh, it, and, and then that would mean both Swansea and Southampton are safe if, if Huddersfield go down, which would be disappointing for them. They showed a lot for the first half of the year. Yeah, they That's did. And wheels, wheels have fallen off. And I think Wagner's an excellent manager too. Yeah, and I think even with him, even if they would go down, I, th- I think there'd be a lot of clubs interested in, in getting him as their manager. Okay, well, all this will play out in the next couple of weeks and we'll have the, the wrap-up in our next episode. But before we get there... I want to talk a bit about Manchester United. Now, I loved these comments by Jose Mourinho after they <laughs> lost 1-0 to Brighton. Yeah. And this is, this is him. And, and, and as, a, as, as a former coach, but obviously not at this sort of, anywhere near this sort of level, um, I, 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 I resonate with some of what he's going through in this. And, and let, let me go through the comment and then we can have a chat about it. For 10 months, I get asked, why always Lukaku? Like Lukaku, why always Lukaku? Why always this player? That guy doesn't have a chance to start. The other one's on the bench. You now know why. <laughs> and 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 that, and that was in in reference to he, Lukaku didn't play, and Rashford and Martial and a few others came on and got their chance to start, and they lost to Brighton. Um, first of all, Dan, do, do you, what do you think? I mean, he's obviously. Is he just frustrated, or is he actually trying to play a few mind games with with those guys, or is he, or is he, you reckon he's just lost them and he's designed to actually he's going to sell both of them at the end of the year? Where do you think he's going with this? Oh, I'm definitely going to throw my toys if 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 Rashford's going, because Rashford's an unbelievable talent. I think Martial is too. Um, just that his his head doesn't doesn't seem in it at the moment. Um, but yeah, Mourinho definitely got some some strange motivational techniques. Um, he does have a point in saying, "Well, there was the opportunity." But also, it's got to be said as well when a, you know when a player doesn't start for a couple of weeks and then you suddenly make uh, five or six changes to the eleven and throw them in and say, "Well, there you go." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also that's that's also got to be. Got to be looked at. Um, yeah, again, in a, also in a game where there's not really that much to play for. I think he's got his FA Cup lineup already, already entered, and I think the players know that. Are there any ready positions that are being played for with that cup final in mind? Um, 
So, you know, as, as we always say, you've got to look at it in the in entire context of a season. You can't look at one game and say, well, you haven't performed and there you go. I mean, second place is, is safe anyway. That no one can catch you. Yeah, do, do you feel that's been a successful season for Jose at Man U? He has to win this FA Cup final. Otherwise, I don't know where he can see there's been any progress. The style of play has been absolutely turgid. Um, there's there's no getting around that. He seems to try to deflect and sidestep uh, that reality, but that's but that's but that's a definite reality. Um, and the point is that defensively, it's it's still a nightmare. Um, and when you look at in the last couple of years, the defenders United have bought are guys like uh, Rojo, Blint, Shaw, uh, Lindelof was even brought in this season. None of those defenders are actually playing. Damian was another one. Uh, none of those defenders actually play for Man United. Um, so you still haven't improved an area that was a glaring weakness. You know, the other signings like Pogba, Matic, Lukaku, Sanchez, they're all playing. Okay, just just going back to the related topic of the guys that are playing and the guys that uh, that, that, that didn't play in the last game and and the fact that you like having... It, would you, would you want Martial and Rashford starting, or where would you actually put them in the team? Well, there's definitely a, a case for at least at least one of them starting. Um, and there was a point where he was literally just rotating the two of them. Um, Rashford, for example, he won that game against uh, Liverpool with a fantastic goal. That was in, in March. Uh, and then almost straight after that, he seemed to be benched or rotated anyway, which must have frustrated him. Um, so, you know, so then if, you know, I don't know how you get players in form when you keep on, when, they, when they're just rotating them and the, and the substitutions are almost predictable. Um, and then he, obviously he'd brought in, he'd brought in Sanchez as well, which meant now, that you've already got an you've already got an extra an attacker and now you're trying to fit in guys like Mata and Lingard as well. Um, so this is the thing. Um, as I say, Martial he definitely seems to be out of it at the moment. So I could see I could see him leaving, um, and that would be unfortunate. But I think it also goes. You know, down to the chopping and changing of managers, uh, because one manager can sign up can sign a player for fifty or sixty million, whatever it is. A season or two, another manager comes in, you know, and he's bringing in other big signings. Um, so the turnover rate in uh, players is just exacerbated by your turnover rate in managers. Um, and Mourinho is not exactly. Uh, a patient type of manager as well, and it just seems to it's it's worn out for for guys like Martial. Yeah, the, the signing of Sanchez is a really interesting one, and I, I always that and I have this discussion with my Arsenal mates and about us hanging on to Sanchez and Özil when they seemingly didn't want to be there for the, for the first half of this year, 
Yeah. And, and and my point wasn't that we had better players, and my point was the development of the youngsters that we could have been have, have been facilitating without having, let's say, Sanchez, who was just for six months just having a sook. And he, yeah. he took a spot away from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, for example, and then we lost him. Yeah, um, Wenger was and, Wenger and he, was just being stubborn, wasn't he? He was. He was just being stubborn, and it cost us the Ox, who went went on and he's been doing very well at Liverpool. Now he's got more continuity, more game time, and 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 the de- and the development of of guys like Reese Nelson, Joe Willock, those guys just they just haven't got a chance up until the last couple of games when we've got a lot of injuries. I mean, imagine a full season of development in them. I don't think we would have finished any worse than we actually finished this year. And yet we would have brought the youngsters along and kept kept Oxlade Chamberlain, and and so I, I think hanging on to these older disgruntled stars and, and and make no argument, Sanchez is an absolute star, but sometimes it can stop the club from development. They're developing, and you'll, you've got Rashford and Martial who are now pushed out, and so you're going to maybe get if Sanchez reaches the heights he can, you're going to get a very good player, but are you going to lose? All these youngsters, and and then you're not you're not going to have Martial and Rashford being that next generation coming through anymore. Yeah. So it's a big opportunity cost when you do when you actually buy a couple of big players. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, Lingard's been fantastic for United this season, uh, and then he suddenly found himself out of the the starting eleven, and he's only just actually got back into the starting eleven a couple of weeks ago, after another couple of of disappointing performances uh, from the likes of Mata. Uh, Sanchez has been very inconsistent. Uh, so there you go. That's that's the thing. You you run, as you say, you run the risk of um, delaying the development of players who, who want to be there, especially if they're players that they've brought up, brought up from you, your system. Because, I mean, those are, of course, the benefits of players that have come through the club system. They're not likely to turn up and say, Oh, I want to leave to play for Madrid or Barcelona or Paris Saint-Germain because that's my boyhood club. They're playing for their boyhood clubs. <laughs> yeah, fully, fully agree. You know, to make use of that loyalty because you're not going to get it from any other players, so treat them well. There was a similar situation at, at Liverpool with Coutinho. Uh, it was obvious that he wanted to go and Klopp was being stubborn and hanging on and Liverpool fans were saying, you know, hang on to Coutinho. Um, and then obviously... In, in January, they made the decision to to get to get rid of him, to sell him to Barcelona, um, and suddenly Liverpool fans are saying now Coutinho who? Um, so it does it as you as you rightly pointed out. Also, it's it's difficult to quantify that effect it has on the squad of a player that everybody wants to know uh, is is wanting to go and is going to go at the first opportunity he gets. So as difficult as it can be, even if it's a star player, sometimes it is better to get him out early and and move on. Yeah, and and I've seen it before when when the when the undisputed star of the team actually leaves, how much freedom the players that have been playing underneath that star player actually get, and yeah. and then they suddenly lift their game. They they suddenly say, okay. I need to be the man now. I need to be the player that can make the difference. I can't rely on a, a Gerard. I can't rely on Coutinho anymore. Yeah. And and once they're out of that shadow, then you go, wow, these guys, the, the team can actually play better as a team if they're not so reliant on one player. Sure. Hasn't happened at Arsenal, though, but, but uh, yeah, it certainly happened at, at Liverpool. 
Okay. Well, I mentioned Arsenal. Dan, yeah. did, you, did you watch the Europa final? The semi final. Oh, <laughs> we didn't even make the final. <laughs> I was getting ahead of myself. Yeah, what a. What a disappointing end to to Wenger's tenure at Arsenal, um, and the fact that it wasn't surprising, it was actually quite predictable, is is in a way a, a remark on what's gone at, at at Arsenal in the last couple of seasons, where they, you know, similar to them, Atletico was the first top team they've come across in the in the Europa League. And Arsenal just weren't good enough. Even in the first leg with with ten men, you know that's that's the game you have to win. Uh, and Arsenal couldn't do that. And yeah, you just had the feeling that Atletico were going to be too good for them, and and they were. Yeah, I agree. The, the irony was that those two leagues probably encapsulated what. What I see is as Wenger's shortcomings as a manager over the last ten years. It, it was just, yeah, and, and it was it was almost almost apt that he went out that way to to just highlight that they're the reasons he has to go. I mean, I, th- I think I think if he had have somehow got through and somehow won the Europa, then people would have been going, oh, is what well, Arsenal <laughs> doing sacking him? Maybe you know what I mean. But but I think just watching those two legs, you see you see exactly why he had to go and, and he needs to change as a manager or he's, he's not going to get anywhere. I mean, first of all, I mean, you look at the first leg. They were 10 men down within 10 minutes. That's, and, I mean, you've you, you got you to win those games at, at home. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. And, and what happened, at Atletico Madrid, they were, they, they were all over the shop. They, they lost their head in the first 20, 25 minutes. They sure. conceded a goal. They got a, got a player sent off. Their manager got sent off. They lost their composure. <laughs> they were all over the shop. And it, it did look like how far Arsenal. But then... And there didn't seem to be any one, sort one, of... There didn't seem to be any tactical shift in Arsenal's approach to the game either. No. And what happened with it was Atletico got their composure about the 25, 30-minute mark. That they, that they plonked three central defenders in there, clogged up the middle with, with two holding midfielders as well. And they have and they just defended beautifully. And we did not look like scoring for the rest of the game. We hardly made a chance for the rest of the game. The only time we looked dangerous, I mean, they, they, they forced us wide. And, and, and this is my this is my big problem with, 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 with Arsene Wenger. You said, Dan, he didn't change anything. The, the team's clogging up the middle. You've... You're only looking for dangerous when your wing backs, Monreal and Bellerin, are getting in there and getting across him. You're not getting anything through the middle. Now, what's what's he got at his disposal? He's got no big centre forward that can actually win a header anymore after selling Giroud. Yeah. Okay. He's got no he's got no plan B at all. And you, you look so so we're not going to be dangerous from those crosses. And you look you, because the other reason we're not dangerous is that you look at who's crossing it in. You've got our wing backs now. Monreal, he's had a great year, but his forte is not setting up pinpoint crosses into the box and hitting people on the head. But Bellerin, he he's an interesting one, Bellerin. I mean, I think he's a serviceable defender. I think wingback's obviously his best role. But but when you look at what a wingback's meant to be, when you, when you're attacking, he's a winger. When you're defending, he's a he's a he's a right back. So I think he's serviceable as a defender. His position is poor, but he gets away with a lot of time. He's, he's got better. But if you put him forward as a winger and say, okay, if he was an out-and-out winger, where would you rate him? 
and because that's basically what he played. And really, he's, he's not a good winger. He doesn't have the tricks to actually beat people. When he actually goes past people, he sort of stops. He doesn't continue to run. I mean, when, when Zaha goes past people, if you compare it to a really good winger, they can't catch him. He goes past people, they don't catch him. And he puts in a cross, he normally hits, hits someone on the head, he normally puts in a dangerous spot. So if, if, if Bellerin's playing as an out-and-out winger against 10 men, it's just not as effective as you need that to be. And and so it didn't change anything, and and, and there was just no urgency. And, and then what happens in the second leg? We, we need at least a goal, right? So what, so what does he do? <laughs> he wheels out exactly the same team and formation as he had against Atletico, who couldn't score against 10 men. This time they've got 11 <laughs> men. And he thinks, oh, let's do exactly the same thing against 11 men, and we might win. And what happens? We have one shot on goal for yeah. the whole game. Yeah. And then he waits. And, and the, the only one potential change he could do, because he's left himself in this position with his transfer dealings, so, so we can't say, oh, he hasn't got the squad. Well, he's had 20 years to create the squad. He's chosen to get, get these players and sell these players. Now, now the only player that probably could have been the difference was your former boy, Mkhitaryan, yeah. who for some reason he left on the bench to the 70th minute. <laughs> why, would, he was, <laughs> why would you do that? Anyway, so, that, that's, so that, that is the frustrations as an Arsenal supporter that I'm going, well, I hope... I don't have these frustrations moving forward, hoping that there will be a bit more common sense to some of these changes and these selections. And Well, and well let's come back to that in a bit about Arsenal moving forward. But it's, it's interesting that you, you bring up Giroud because that's another incident of a player who, in this case, it sounded like he didn't actually want to leave. No, but, he didn't. Yeah, but he was, you know, he was, he was moved on. But, but for me, Giroud's a, a big match player you know, the irony is, as you said, Arsenal had no way of, of changing tactics. Uh, and there he is today winning the game for, for Chelsea against Liverpool. Uh, he's a big match player and he's, he seems to come up with the goods whether he starts or he comes off the bench. Uh, he gave Arsenal that different element, as you said. Um, you know, then you can get your guys going wide and hitting crosses um, because because they've got they've got that that possibility of Giroud, but without him, they don't have it. Uh, you know, when you look at... Imagine imagine if in, in that second half he brought Giroud on and we were just... If the second half of that first league, when they were down at 10 men... That's what, yeah, that's what I'm would, saying. We, 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 we would have scored. We would, he would have scored a handful of goals that, that second half. But we, why, why we lost him is incredible. It's, well, there's, you know, the difference, again, Mourinho last week against against Arsenal, he changed it up, he threw Fellaini on and said, this is how we're going to win the game, you know, and he, could, he couldn't give a, give a rat's ass what people are saying afterwards, United won the game and, and take the three points, you know, he said, we, we're, not, we're, not, we're not getting through, so this is how we're going to do it, so, you know, we've been talking about, you know, managers just, just tactically being able to, to switch things up and 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 there you go. So so looking forward, mate. As you said, moving forward, where do Arsenal go from here? Was that was that Simeone's audition? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a bit fiery, Simeone. I like the fire. Um, it would be quite a change. Yeah, it would be a big change. Yeah, listen, um, managers are not my strong point in terms of. I mean, I I really don't 
had much exposure to managers outside yeah. of the English Premier League. Yeah. So, so from my pathetic knowledge, I would I would even be looking, and and and, and this would be a risk, but it's far less a risk of a Dennis Bergkamp, Patrick Vieira type of thing. Um, I, I, I have been very impressed with a man with a manager who currently doesn't have a job, Marco Silva, and oh. I, I he, he seems to start off well, and then. And then his his teams sort of lose it a little bit. But what I feel that is he's he's been taking over almost basket case teams, and and he he gets them to play a style and a style of football, getting great results, which is far beyond what they should be playing, what they should be capable of. And, and I, I admire that. And I just think it's more a personnel thing. Why other teams can sort of adjust and maybe maybe say okay well let's let's clamp down on these one or two players and then they, they and then then maybe that team can't keep playing the way they're playing but at, at a club with resources like arsenal i think he might be able to continue on that that's i, I guess the, the success that he seems to kick off his 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 clubs with and I don't know. I mean, that 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 one's a bit of a, a bit of a risk, but he does have experience, and he's yeah, he's, he's done done very well in certain areas, and he's got a similar style of play as you said earlier, Dan. What, what do you think about him? Yeah, that would be an interesting choice. He hasn't I haven't seen him mentioned anyway. I'd actually forgotten about him a bit, uh, so I don't know if he's in the picture. But but as you say, he's he's definitely been he's definitely been impressive in the in the short time that he's been in the in the Premier League. Um, Everton, of course, wanted him and didn't get him. So that would that would be an, that would be a bit of a left field selection, I think. Do you have a favourite for the manager post that you think Arsenal would be uh, crazy if they didn't pick? Uh, for me, well, it it, it sounds like Brendan Rodgers isn't being seriously considered. But I would think he's got he's got he's got Premier League experience. Uh, he brings he brings a philosophy and a style of play that would fit into Arsenal. Um, Simeone would be would be quite a departure from the usual. So I said the other day, if you if you if you get Simeone, tell him to bring Oblak, the goalkeeper. Because he's brilliant, and you need a keeper. You can you can bring Koke in the midfield, and you can bring Griezmann as well. So if that if that was the deal, I think that's that would be a new Arsenal team, because again we've got to look at the legacy in terms of the team that that Wenger's leaving behind. There is there is something there with the likes of Aubameyang and Lacazette and and Mkhitaryan, but there's also a lot of uh, rebuilding to be done, especially at the back. Um, but I think a manager like Luis Enrique would be would be brilliant. Um, he would have the contacts and the network to to bring in the type of players that would would be good for Arsenal. Um, yes, and that's important, and that's something I don't think Marco Silva would do. He wouldn't bring that cloud that Luis Enrique would bring. Yeah, um, yeah. Also, in terms of also in terms of staff as well. You know, these guys move with with guys that they've worked with over years, experienced. Uh, assistant coaches um, and analysts and the various other stuff. So Enrique would also bring that, and I think that's also something that Arsenal's definitely that Arsenal definitely needs 
um, which it was a criticism of, of Wenger as well, is that his backroom staff never never really seemed to be um, well-known, experienced or challenging guys. If you think back to the days of, of Ferguson, you know, Ferguson went through a couple of assistant managers, guys like Carlos Queiroz, uh, Steve McLaren, he had Rene Mullenstein, you know, all of those guys seemed they seemed to to challenge Ferguson, um, and they were slightly different from them. And all of them went on to be, or all of them are managers in their own right now. Um, and Wenger just never sort of really had that. Um, so I think that needs to be to be looked at as well. Uh, yeah, there does seem to be a bit of a leadership vacuum at Arsenal without Wenger. Um, and as I say, there's a, there's there is a lot of rebuilding to be done, but there is there is there is something to work with there. Definitely, and we seem to be moving on to Arsene Wenger again. So let's get the answer to the <laughs> what the football trivia. <laughs> Okay, so in the history of Arsenal Football Club, what percentage of players to have played for them played for them as with Wenger as a manager? <laughs> Did I make that clear? <laughs> so what percentage of players of Arsenal players have had Wenger as their manager at some point in time? Now, I... I can't take you through the workings of how I've been trying to work this out. So Arsenal's been going for about 132 years. Yeah. Fingers coach for about 20 of those years. Yeah. About 15%. But there'd be players that I reckon it's higher because there'll be players that maybe were on their the previous generation that played under him that was maybe only played under him for one or two years. So I think sure. I've got to expand that out to a little bit more than 20 years. And I think there were more games played in the last 50 years than there were in the first 50 years. Yeah, so yeah. maybe I like your I like your thinking so far. Yeah. So instead of so maybe I, I do equivalent of 30 years. So 30 out of the 132 years is 22.7 percent. That it will be my final answer, Daniel. So round it off to 23. Unless the answer is 22, then I ran down to 22. <laughs> you're, you're, I like the way you worked it out. Your maths is, is, is quite solid. Uh, and in fact, you're very close. The percentage is 26%. Wow. That's impressive, isn't it? To say I've coached a quarter of the players yeah. that have ever played for Arsenal. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's the imprint that he's leaving of the club. A quarter of all players to have played for Arsenal were coached by Arsene Wenger. Um, which is which? It's 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 yeah. It's an amazing number. I think that's an incredible statistic. Um, he said that he's not having anything to do with with picking the new manager. Maybe that is a good thing. Maybe it's not. Um, it's, a, it's a very good thing. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> I don't know. Then you're leaving it up to you're leaving it up to your board. Um, and looking at the background of the Arsenal board, it's like the the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
they have made good decisions in the past. You mean with 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 Wenger himself? Yep, Wenger and obviously George Graham before that. Yeah, but that was that was a totally different board then. Remember? Still got the same chairman though. Will he ever say? I don't know. Well, this is the thing. It's it's very sort of. It's very sort of murky how the how the new manager gets appointed and who and who does these things. Um, I think they they listen a lot to agents and um, and as we said, this is this is also the part of it. Which which players can can that new manager bring in? So you, you, you think that's a uh, that that's a must-have? This player has to bring in. It's about the players he can bring in more than his tactical acumen, or do you, do you think that's just a, a yeah. plus? No, it's, it's got to be. To yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be part of the package. It's got to be part of the package, um, you know. And and at any level, players players follow coaches. Um, so if you're bringing in a you're bringing in a coach that's got a reputation, you know, it will immediately attract uh, a certain type of player. So that's also yep. got, that's also got to be considered. Um, but you know, big big Sam's a, big Sam is needing a, another big job. I <laughs> uh, was well, very successful, big Sam, the last couple of months. So yeah, why not? His record speaks for himself. England former England manager too. <laughs> yeah, one 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 game. <laughs> that's a. Okay. That's that's an enigma, yeah. Big Sam, because as you said, he's actually he's since he got to Everton, they've actually outperformed Arsenal. Um, <laughs> but the Everton fans are seeming they seeming to be they going crazy about Big Sam. But if you remember when they had Martinez, they actually had signs to say we don't care about the style, we just want points. The fans were actually holding up banners like that, <laughs> and now they're getting that. Well, Dan, thank you. That brings us to the end of our time. It's been a pleasure just having a leisurely chat with yourself. Have a great week, and we will see you next episode of What the Football. Okay, mate. See you next time.